It's Live in the Bream with the host of Fox News Sunday, Shannon Bream. This week on Live in the Bream, we have somebody who will be an encouragement and I think a challenge to us as well because of the topic we're going to discuss. Um, Lisa Turkhurst is president of Proverbs 31 Ministries. She has authored more than 25 books. I've got at least 20 of them, I would say, at my house. Um, She's had New York Times number one bestseller. She's got another bestseller on her hands. She is all about ministry and transparency. And I cannot wait to talk to her about this topic. The brand new book, Good Boundaries and Goodbye. Loving Others Without Losing the Best of Who You Are. Lisa, congrats on the new book. Well, thank you so much, Shannon. I appreciate it. And I'm so honored that you read my books. That's just so fun to know. I love them because I find them to be very rich. I mean, not just encouraging with, you know, good platitudes. I mean, but with like meat and good ideas and ways to apply scripture and God's truth to our lives and our situations. Um, And you write about a number of different things. I got to tell you, the boundaries thing, I think, is one thing I struggle with. And I know that has to be common um, for your readers, for listeners out there. Um, Sometimes we worry that this is going to be perceived as rude or um, uncaring Talk to us about the idea of boundaries and and how we should view them. Such a great question, Shannon. And I think it'll be a good encouragement to my readers that I don't write because I'm an expert on boundaries. I write from my point of struggle, not strength. So sometimes I think more than being informed, a reader wants to know that they're understood. So I understand the depth of um, just hardship and confusion around boundaries and the worry that if I put healthy boundaries in place, other people are going to be epically disappointed Mm -hmm. in me or accuse me of being rude or unkind and maybe even unchristian. So I understand that struggle. So what I did is I asked the question, is God okay with boundaries? And then I also did a lot of therapeutic research to not just know how to draw boundaries, but how to communicate them, because that's usually a big struggle. So the question, is God okay with boundaries? I did a lot of theological research. And what's fascinating is Genesis 1, the beginning of the Bible, it is very clear that God used boundaries to establish the foundation of the world. He separated light from darkness. He separated dry land from the sea. He separated the sky from the water. Those separations are boundaries. Then in Genesis 2, the first topic of recorded conversation that God has with a man is on the subject of a boundary. You're free Mm -hmm. to eat from any tree in the garden, but not the tree in the center of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or you will die. So boundaries are not just a good idea. They're actually God's idea. But then that other piece, how do I communicate a boundary? I've got a lot of suggestions of that throughout the book based on my research, but also based on experiential wisdom. Let's start with family, because I think that's one of the trickiest ones. Like families in our life, we're in their life. Um, but we're not perfect, any of us. And so we can have tensions, we can have overreach, we can have um, issues that come up with people that we're tied to for life. So we have to figure out how to navigate those kinds of things. What's your advice when it comes to family? Well, I think first we have to take an honest assessment of our capacity. We need to look at our time capacity, our relational capacity, our Um, financial capacity, our emotional capacity, look at all the areas of capacity in your life and think about two words, responsibility 
and access to the level that we give someone access to us to one of those areas of capacity they need to bring that same level of responsibility so the problem that i have have really had in the past is and it's especially true with family is that i would put the boundary on another person to try to force them to be more responsible with the access that I granted them to all the different areas of capacity in my life. But we all know we cannot force another person to change using external pressure. We might be able to create temporary behavior modification, but not real lasting change. So that was the wrong tactic. Instead, I need to put a boundary around myself. And if someone's only bringing level three responsibility, but I'm giving them level 10 access Mm -hmm. to area of my capacity if they're unwilling or incapable of changing then i need to reduce the access i'm granting them down to a three which is their demonstrated level of responsibility now look i know that this can be so complicated when you have deep emotions involved and so i want to show you shannon really quickly how you are already doing this really well and i think a lot of our listeners will relate to this so i'm flipping the interview is that okay with you Sure. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Okay, Shannon, do you have a bank account? I do. Okay, do you have a security passcode preventing all people from having full access to your bank account? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so is that because you're unkind or selfish? No, I think I'm being wise. (laughs) That's right. You're being wise because you don't have unlimited funds in your bank account and you have responsibilities to pay your bills and take care of your um, responsibilities. And so I think we know this with our finances. Therefore, we would never just freely give every listener today all access to your bank account because you don't know that everybody would be responsible with that access. We know this with our financial capacity, but we forget it with so many other areas of our life. And if we want the best of who we are to be front and center, then we have to be honest that we can't let our our capacity get so bankrupted that we start living from the worst of who we are, some version of frazzled and possibly fractured version of ourselves. And so mm-hmm. I think it's really important. The motivation of this is not controlling other people or manipulating them or forcing them to change. The motivation is to protect our sanity, our stability, our security, and our self-control. Yeah, and that changes the perspective that many of us have on it. I think it's so wise how you lay that out. It's more about us setting the boundaries that that work for us and and the way that we can control people coming at us versus saying, I'm going to go out and control that person and how they operate in the world. Um, That's a wise thing. Um, So let's think about what happens sometimes when we set boundaries. Um, I have somebody in mind that I think about in my mind that I know there is always going to be emotional pushback when I do this. Um, You kind of touched on this earlier in your remarks about, well, you know, that's not Christ-like or you're being selfish. Um, and I really struggle with that because nobody likes to hear that or feel like, well, maybe that's, that is at the heart of what I'm doing here. Um, how do we deal with um, reactions from other people that are hurtful? Do we build a wall and say, nope, I've made these boundaries. I know what I'm doing here. And just ignore maybe an outburst or a backlash that we get. What do we do with that? 
Well, one thing we have to remember is that healthy people respect healthy boundaries. My counselor, Mm -hmm. Jim Cress, always reminds me an unhealthy person has never met a boundary that they like. (laughs) So if you if you fear that by drawing a healthy boundary that another person might be epically disappointed in you, criticize you or even reject you, then. I think we have to make peace with the fact that that's probably the kind of person who eventually is going to be disappointed in you and maybe even reject you, whether you have healthy boundaries or not. So as we count the cost, we have to ask ourselves, is the cost of what I'm risking with this other person by drawing a boundary, is it worth it? Or, you know, ask on the flip side of that, what what is the cost to me if I don't have this mm-hmm. boundary in place, this healthy boundary. And so we always have to count the cost. But for us Christians, it it is really important to remember that when we look at the example of Jesus, even Jesus had boundaries. Yes, Jesus laid down his life for his friends. But he laid down his life for a high and holy purpose. He did not lay down his life to enable bad behavior to continue. And sometimes we get confused between compassion and and then we extend it so far um, to where we start enabling behaviors that are dishonoring not just to us but to God himself and you know boundaries I think the way we need to look at them is they're an effective communication tool for us to be able to kindly and respectfully establish what is and is not acceptable in this relationship what we do and do not have to give and what we are and are not willing to tolerate. And we can say it kindly, but I think we need to have more clarity in our relationship because once boundary lines are established, then we know where the real freedom exists. I think it'd be helpful maybe if we do a a Thanksgiving conversation, because I think this is real practical for right now. I don't know if your situation you mentioned is around someone coming to Thanksgiving, but let's give that example. You good with that? (laughs) Sure. Okay. Let's say Uncle Joe is coming to Thanksgiving and you're really excited about seeing Uncle Joe. You love Uncle Joe. And Uncle Joe sometimes likes to bring up politically divisive topics. (laughs) And you already know that you're not going to have the emotional capacity to get pulled into a conversation that could wear you down to a bankrupted place with your emotional capacity. So, you can have ahead of time, we need to prepare in times of strength for potential times of struggle. So ahead of time, you can have a conversation with Uncle Joe and request, hey, Uncle Joe, I love you. And I love how smart you are and how invested you are in political topics. I'm making a request that we not bring up or that you not bring up political topics that could potentially be divisive at the Thanksgiving table this year. But you're also recognizing you can't control Uncle Joe. So then you can follow up and say, you know, Uncle Joe, if you forget or if something does get brought up and there's a big political debate that ensues around Thanksgiving, I just want to let you know ahead of time so it doesn't appear that I'm being rude or or uninterested that I've already decided I don't have the emotional capacity to participate in that. So I'll excuse myself from the table temporarily and just go in the kitchen and check on the pies. And when that part of the conversation dies down, then I'll rejoin the table. So again, you're not asking him for permission. You're not trying to control him, but you are informing him you have a plan because you don't want 
to sit at the Thanksgiving table and feel held hostage by this conversation you already know is not going to go well and Mm -hmm. that you already know that you could potentially have one of those moments where you get so frustrated that you react in a way that's not in keeping with the best of who you are. Um, But I sort of get hives when I think about that conversation that you explained. And I guess, is this a kind of muscle that the more we use it and grow in confidence with it, that we will feel less stressed about having that um, prospective looking conversation? Well, it's never going to be incredibly easy because especially for those of us that that really love making other people happy, which I Mm -hmm. really, really enjoy making other people happy. But sometimes it can slip into I want to keep that person happy so that they don't take from me what I'm desperate for them to give me. And that could Mm. be love. It could be finances. It could be support. It could be encouragement. It could be fun. You know, there's so many things. But again, if we want to fight for the relationship, then we need to be honest about our capacity. We need to be honest about what we can and cannot tolerate in the relationship, not negating our responsibilities in relationships, but learning over time, I think you do increase that muscle, but it's always going to be a little challenging. But here's one other thing that really helps me, Shannon, is when I put my real heart on display, that my heart always wants to say yes. And so here's here's how I would communicate if somebody's making a request of me that's just not realistic. While my heart says yes, 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 the reality of my time makes this a no. Thank you for understanding. Hmm. Don't feel like you need to run down the rabbit trail of explanations. No, my counselor taught me adults inform, children explain. And oh, so we want to inform good. people. We want to inform them kindly and with mm-hmm, clarity. Mm-hmm. But if we get into a big explanation, chances are we're going to get into a big debate. And then that's probably mm-hmm. going to ratchet up our emotions and our defenses. And, you know, sometimes that conversation just doesn't go well. Now, certainly, if the person we're communicating our parameters or our boundaries with, if they have questions, then we can kindly answer their questions. But we don't need to get permission and we don't have to over explain. We'll have more Live in the Bream in a moment. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, read a book, show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you, so you can do more of it. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash bream today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash bream. So let's look more broadly too. a lot of people I think have trouble with work boundaries um, and how to politely and wisely draw the lines where they can effectively get their work done, be respected in the workplace, can look for advancement if that's what they're after, but be able to draw lines where they need to. Same principles for a professional setting. 
Yes. Now, here's one thing that I think is important. Let's say you're having to consider a boundary with someone who's an authority over you at your job. And that can be such an intimidating situation. So we have to check ourselves first. Is any part of my motivation to get out of being responsible for something I really should be responsible for. We don't mm-hmm. want to say I'm setting a boundary now. I can only come into work at 10, you know, when, <laughs> when you're supposed to be there at eight, that, right. that's, that's a wrong, that's a wrong motivation. And that's dishonoring of the responsibilities that we need to fulfill because we have a J O B job. But this is what I recommend. I recommend if it, let's say it's your boss and he holds that title in your life. And along with that comes certain nuances that you have to acknowledge. So, Here's what I recommend. Let's temporarily take the title of boss off of him, just set it on a shelf. And that doesn't mean that we're stripping that title away. It just means that we're removing it temporarily. And now I want you to look at this person, your boss, as an average everyday person. Now think about for an average everyday person, what boundaries would you need with this person? And go ahead and establish that. Now let's put the title of boss back on that person in that situation and meet in the middle somewhere. In other words, we may, we can't have boundaries where that person just looks like an average everyday person because the title that they hold, we have to add a certain respect in, but we also don't want to throw boundaries out, you know, like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Mm -hmm. So consider those two things together. We don't negate boundaries, but we also need to respect their position as well. Mm Mm-hmm. So it just takes some wisdom and and um, some honesty to navigate this stuff. Um, I know that you say that, and you you touched on this that boundaries aren't just a good idea; they're a God idea. How can we kind of fine tune our perspective to see things that way and to know that um, he he has condoned and 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 expects this from us as well? We can't function without these. Right. Well. I lead people throughout the book, Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, through many scriptures that helped me recognize that not only did God establish the foundation of the world and make the topic of the first conversation around boundaries, but it was by God's design as well. So when we get to the part of the Bible where God explains how he established the temple and gave certain people access, but not all people all access. and And those who had the greatest access had the greatest responsibility. It's not that one group of people was more valuable than another group of people. They just had additional responsibility the more access they were granted. And all the way to the access that the high priest was given, the most access was in the Holy of Holies. But he also was required to bring the greatest amount of responsibility. And he would suffer the greatest consequence if he wasn't bringing that level of responsibility. So that's where I got the words access and responsibility from, and also Mm -hmm. consequence that I explained earlier in our interview. And so I think it gives us a real understanding, not only that God is okay with boundaries, but we can see God using boundaries. And then certainly in the life of Jesus, Jesus used boundaries as well. You know, he could have tried to be best friends with the entire world, But in his humanity, he knew that that would not be possible. Now, Jesus was sinless, but he was very much sinned against. And so you can see in the life of Jesus that he was smart with his time and honest with his capacity. And he was the savior of the world. 
Yeah. And if he finds a reason to do it, um, we can find the strength, too, and the wisdom to do it. You say also that we should be equipped to say goodbye without guilt when a relationship shifts from difficult to destructive and there's no way to sustain it anymore. How do you know when you're at that point? I think when you start saying things to yourself, I just don't know how much more of this I can take. Or when you say things like, I'm turning into somebody I don't even recognize because of what this relationship is doing to me. When we start saying things like that, our words frame our reality. So that's reality leaking out. And mental health is a commitment to reality at all costs. So it is important to pay attention what is the reality of what I'm experiencing. And certainly when we're considering a goodbye, we need to take steps, not leaps. We don't just want to shove other people away, but we're establishing boundaries to help hold ourselves together, to keep ourselves safe, sane, stable, and self-controlled. So if we hit a spot where we know that that person we're in relationship with, where they're bringing zero responsibility, and it's not just a mistake, it's a repetitive pattern that we keep seeing over and over. And if that other person is unwilling or incapable of making the changes necessary to make that relationship safe and sustainable, then we may need to limit their access to us down to their demonstrated level of responsibility. So zero responsibility, potentially zero access. And sometimes it's for a season, a temporary separation, or sometimes it's forever. But again, even in the Bible, we see these types of separations happen. You know, one story that I'm just always mesmerized by is the rich young ruler. Jesus establishes Mm -hmm. what the rich young ruler um, needed to understand. And it was his choice. Jesus didn't try to control him. He informed him what he needed to do. And the rich young ruler walked away. And Jesus, the savior of the world, didn't chase him down, didn't beg him to come back and make a different decision. He allowed the rich young ruler to walk away and respond in that way to the boundary that Jesus established. So I think we have to understand that, yes, our heart may be that all relationships last for all time, but the the reality for most of us is that that's not true. So I wanted to give people a biblical lesson and a biblical understanding of what I never did. I've experienced goodbyes, but I didn't understand how to do them in a wise biblical way. And so that's why this part of the book is really important. When I think one of my favorite principles is when I was walking through a very unwanted divorce, I hit this place where I realized that staying in that relationship was not only unsustainable, but it was unbiblical for me. And so I had to acknowledge I wasn't walking away from that relationship. I was choosing to accept reality. And that reality was that a goodbye was absolutely necessary. Yeah, and you've been so kind to to share so much of your personal life struggles in in many different areas. And I think it helps us all to feel a little bit more vulnerable when we see your transparency and your honesty just about how difficult life and different subjects can actually be. And I think that's in part why your books are so effective, I think, at reaching our hearts and our minds. Um, This newest one is Good Boundaries and Goodbye, Goodbyes, excuse me. Loving Others Without Losing the Best of Who You Are by Lisa Turkhurst. Um, Lisa, where can people find you, what you're working on, what you're doing, and maybe even out on the road? 
Yeah, well, um, you can just go to my Instagram page at Lisa Turkhurst. My name is spelled a little weird, but if you just look it up at L-Y-S-A-T, then hopefully it'll populate. Or you can go to my website, lisaturkhurst.com or my ministry website, proverbs31.org. All right, Lisa, you've been a great encouragement in this book, I know. Um, thank you so much for living us, uh, joining us on Living the Bream. Absolutely, Shannon. Thank you. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. 